don't have to fight And we don't have to kill Everybody in the whole wide world Really just needs to chill Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Just Chill with Oliver George. This is episode 101, and I have a fantastic guest this time around who is making his return to the show in person this time. He's also <laughs> one of the nicest people I have ever had the pleasure of interviewing oh. and just a Canadian treasure. And he's not a Dalmatian. He's a real human being. <laughs> he is a real human being. Well, he's got some Dalmatian energy, I guess. Um <laughs> But before we get into it, I want to remind you, if you're watching on YouTube right now and you would prefer audio only, you can get that on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and other places like that. If you're listening to me on one of those platforms, though, and you did not realize that there was a visual side to this thing, please come check it out here on YouTube. If you do come to the YouTube side of things, I'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe. It helps me to keep growing this channel, and I love connecting with new people. So if you're just jumping in now and this is your first show ever or you've been there since day one, thank you either way. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, maybe with a cool guest idea or some general feedback about the show, you can hit me up on social media or send me an email at justchillpodcasting at gmail.com. When you're doing that, let me know if you have any interest in uh, one of these holofoil stickers for the show, and I will send you one. I think I've got like 10 left after the live show we did, so get them while they're here. <laughs> Back to the guest, though, as I said off the top, fantastic guy. You wow. probably know him from his long tenure as a host at Entertainment Tonight Canada. If you don't know him from that, you definitely know him as one of the most beloved much music VJs of all time. And you can actually see him now featured in a documentary all about much music called 299 Queen Street West. That's the address. Yeah, yeah. which made its debut at uh, South by Southwest and soon will be embarking on a Canadian tour that starts at Roy Thompson Hall on September yeah. 22nd and will be coming through Ottawa on October 28th. So Man, I I'm, I'm looking around. There's, there's no script. You're just, there's no teleprompter. There's, no, there's nothing. There's no cue cards. This guy is brilliant. Thank Oliver, you. it's finally good to be here. Thank you person. so much. Yeah. Rick Campanelli, yeah. everybody. The legend. The legend. No, no, no. Thank just, you so much for reaching it, it out. I just had man. a couple of jobs along the way. Well, you were stellar at the, both of them. So. <laughs> oh, thank you, man. And who knew a phys ed grad from uh, St. Catharines, Ontario, Brock University, um, turning that into a, a, a VJ position. Like, but wow. Like, well, you talked to me one about of the that last luckiest time. Canadian kids ever. Yeah. yeah. You sent in this giant banner you yeah, told me about, yeah, which yeah. I would still love to see pictures of. My dad has it in his basement somewhere. If you, if you can send basement. me pictures of it, I'll put it up. In I didn't this. send you any pictures yet. No, I last apologize. time I was I was trying to get them from you, but I had to get the episode up, so I kind of just like, yeah, dude. Uh, okay, cool. I'll remember this time. Yeah, yeah. This yeah, one won't yeah. be going up for at least a few weeks, so cool. And here it is, decades later, in all of its glory. Yeah. Um, well, either way, thank you thank so you, much man. for reaching out to me. I know you have family close pretty, by. Yeah, close by. Yeah. Half an hour drive from here, just so. down the four sixteen here. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I know you're in a bit of a time crunch, so we've already talked about this maybe a, a two-parter. But uh, how have you been otherwise? You know, it's been a busy summer. It's been a it's been a great summer. My wife and I are doing as much as we can with the kids because before you know it, you know the kids are going to be back to school, and uh, they're going to be far away from us for you know the whole duration of the day. And we don't like that. We're 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 proactive parents. We want to be there with our kids uh, at Hands all on. minutes and hours of every day. And that's the way my parents were to us growing up. I'm the youngest of four. So yeah, we want to do, and we're still going to be doing a lot of things this summer, but um, it's slowly coming to an end. And that's sad. It is. And especially when you think about kids getting older, they tend to want to spend less time with you yeah, when they hit the they, teen yeah, years. Right. So there's that too. We both have teenagers. Oh yeah. 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 You I got to soak it in. My one son, I brought to um, Dubai and Qatar for the World Cup oh, wow. with my dad. We were there for the World Cup, the, the men's World Cup. Um, 
and I've only seen him one other time this year, and that was for his high school graduation. But we will be going to L.A. at, at the end of the month uh, for some quality father-son time and uh, go checking out some U.S. college football games and uh, whatnot. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Nice. I was just telling you outside how uh, I'm doing a honeymoon in L.A. You are? Uh, we might be there at the same time. Uh, we're doing September 22nd. Okay, September. Yeah. Okay, okay. We're yeah. actually, yeah, we're leaving the same day the that same the, day the, the much tour starts. Oh, yeah. man. Well, you'll, you'll be making it here for the Ottawa Oh, most definitely. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see yeah, it. Yeah, man. It's such a good documentary. Sean Menard, uh, the, director, the director. yeah. I don't know if you've had him on yet, but he's... No. Uh, he did the Carter Effect, the yep. Vince Carter doc, yep. uh, which premiered at or TIFF something. back in the day and got a lot of yep. support with LeBron James and uh, and, and Drake and uh, all those familiar names that you might have heard of before. But he's just great. Like, Sean went after it. He just asked for as much archival footage as possible. And we're talking thousands and thousands of hours of interviews, of silly stuff. Uh, he got it all. He digitized it all, and he went through it all, and he put put together the best two hours that you'll ever see uh, in a documentary, f- starting from the beginning, the very beginning. Uh, 1984, I when guess. When there wasn't a much yet, and there was just an idea. Oh, okay. Uh, down at, you know, I think it was 99 Queen Street East. It was the other side of Young before they moved, and, and all the way up until the end. And, and I consider the end, like, you know, when, when social media started taking over and, and, and things started changing. Well, much is just, just a TikTok handle now. Yeah, right? well, it, nice little comeback they're having yeah, on TikTok. But, not but the same at all. It will never be the same, no. no. But but for for the generation that's following TikTok and following music and new, new music and new artists, they're loving it. But it's a totally different world. Different vibe completely. Different world yeah. completely. Well, I, I wanted to ask you about that because, as you said, he put so much work into this documentary. And from what I read, it took six years, I think, he was trying to get it financed, and eventually he financed it himself. He could tell you more about that okay. uh, when you chat with him. I do remember having an inter- my interview with him, same sort of deal like this, uh, for a few hours at his house one day. I was on the morning radio in Toronto, and I just went to his place afterwards. We chatted, and that was a good year and a half before the doc even uh, was premiered down uh, in Austin. Okay, yeah, because one of my questions was when you sort of heard that there was a buzz about this yeah, thing yeah. maybe going down. As soon as I heard it, well, Erica reached out to me at first. Erica okay. M., one of the original VJs, and she said, uh, her buddy Sean's putting together this doc. Would you like to be a part of it? And like, of course, you've got to be a part of it. For the like, record, yeah. for all the fans, they know what I'm talking about. There's no way you could do a much music doc oh, no. without Rick oh, the Temp. Come oh, on. man, you're too kind. People would no, boycott it, that film if they didn't a, have you in it. Oliver, you're so sweet. <laughs> no. it, it was a huge part of my life, and, and I wanted to make sure... Um, I gave Sean as much as he wanted of me. You know, all, all the others are involved. Most of the others are involved. But I made sure, like, because that was such a big 11 years of my life. Uh, very defining uh, for me. Because, like you, I grew up loving music, listening to music. Was so influenced by what my older siblings were listening to at the time. So whatever Sean wanted, w- whatever he asked of me, I was there for sure. I even got to go down to the world premiere or we should call it galactic premiere on Much Music when the videos used to be <laughs> premiered um, down at South by Southwest in Austin back in March. And that was a huge deal to see this film for the first time because he had copies, of course, and he, w- he would have sent me clips or the whole thing. I said, no, no, listen, I want to be there in a big screen with people with, with large buttered popcorn enjoying every second of it on the big screen. And uh, man, I laughed. I cried. I learned a lot. This documentary is amazing. I can't wait to see it again. 
Yeah, I was kind of curious about how an American audience would uh, react to it, you know, as opposed to a Canadian one that had much more exposure to much music. Yeah, we we were pretty big in the U.S. actually oh, yeah? for a while there. Um, I still remember the distribution broadcasting. I think it was called Rainbow Broadcasting. So some states in the U.S. would pick us up, like Texas, some parts of California. But you would be New competing with MTV We'd as well. We'd be competing with MTV, but we were giving them a different uh, spin on things. Yeah. Uh, the way we did things, I thought, was totally different than the way MTV did things. Now, when I say totally different, sure, we're, st- we're, we're a music video channel. Yeah, but some similarities. We just, <laughs> we just did it differently, it felt, because we had this street front uh, environment. You know, yeah. these garage door windows went up. And the people, the fans were part of the show. Oh, you don't have to tell me. I always well, you, wanted to go to you one know of what I'm those. Saying? MTV didn't have that. MTV was on the second level of yeah. the, their building in Times Square because I went down num- a number of times. Person Daly and those people. Y- yeah, yeah. So what, we were the same, but in, in a lot of ways different. And a lot of the American artists loved to ha- come, coming up to Toronto to hang out with us that much. Um, different different know, vibe, feel. different yeah. feel. We, we, we were just rela- more relaxed. I don't know, not a lot, a lot of pressure at all ever on anyone. And uh, we just seemed like we had a ton of fun. It really did. Yeah. One thing I thought was interesting, though, is when I was reading about the doc, there was mentioned that you guys had no direction. And I wondered, <laughs> like, true. how accurate is that? You didn't even have notes when you well, were interviewing people? Or? <laughs> well, we would know that an artist was coming in, obviously. We would do our homework, like you do here. So very much show. like this, yeah. And um, then, you know, at, at the later stages of my career at Much, sure, we'd go over with a producer, okay, these are good, let's leave these out, let's go to these ones first, and then we'll get the audience questions. But but earlier on, like in the mid-'90s, I remember just doing all my own research and it depended what what um, height the band was at at the time. Like if it was a global, globally known artist, of yeah. course you're going to go over Bowie or something. some questions with the producer or yeah. Jay Z or whatever. But if it were like you know bands that weren't as popular, I guess, but were still huge, yeah, we wouldn't see a producer at all. We, they would be during our shift, a video flow shift. We'd come up with our questions, and we all loved coming up with music questions. We all yeah. loved music and the bands and interacting. So, yeah, I guess you're right. Not a lot of direction. That's kind of <laughs> um, cool, though, which was that they trusted cool. in you that way. And a lot of ad-libbing and a lot of off-the-cuff because you never know what someone's going to say. Yeah. You just go with it. Just roll with it. That's amazing. It was the best, man. It was the absolute best. Well, and with the doc touring around as it's uh, slated to do, are you going to be on all the dates or I told some of Sean, them? Or? I, I'm going to be at every show. Amazing. I'm going to every, I'm going to every city because that's what we did back at Much Music. Whether it was Much in Your Space or Much Music Video Dance Party, we went across the nation. We we made the viewers happy in a way because we got out there to do our thing. Not we're not just on the TV anymore. We're getting involved. out there and, and yeah, we're getting out there in person and we're and we're living it. We're part of it. And so I told Sean, listen, I'm going to all the stops, if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he won't. He said, let's do this. So it's gonna be like a, a 14 city cross Canada tour and it's gonna just bring back so many memories because I know there's gonna be so many stories in all those different cities that we're going to. And uh, I can't wait to see everyone that comes out in all the different cities. It's going to be it's gonna Do you be know um, other VJs that are going to be on for the ride as well? Yeah, Michael Williams and Erica will be in, and I think Steve will be in Montreal too because they're all uh, from Montreal. And Those they, are all they, the, the ones that I think are a little before my time. They are. I know who yeah, they are now yeah, because I've, yeah. I've read about them and stuff, but I never really can say that I watched them. Michael Williams is 
one of the originals. Yeah. With, with Christopher. Erica, am I? I'm vaguely familiar, but Erica was one of the receptionists that much that they saw. They 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 liked what she was all about, so they turned her into a VJ. It's <laughs> sort of what happened to me, I guess, because I was also answering phones for a for a three month period there in the summer of ninety five, I guess that was. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess the ones that like for for example, uh, Monica will be part of it, and I'm pretty sure there's a stop in Winnipeg. I think I yeah, saw that is. on. Yeah. So so obviously she's from Winnipeg originally. She'll be there. She's in Vancouver now. She'll so she'll be at that one as well. Cool. But uh, yeah, man, I just want to get out to any every city that I can, and I just want to relive it again with the viewers uh, what, of much music what about, from back uh, in the day. What about the fellow? Who went down to the states to start reading the news? Oh yeah, John Roberts. John yeah. Roberts. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I I don't think John is involved uh, at all, uh, Brian, because John, of course, he helmed the new music with Jeannie Backer, a show that was a precursor to much music. That was like late seventies, I think. New music started, um, <laughs> but no, he wasn't as much involved with much music as the Erica's, the Steve's, the George, like the Strombo's. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, no, I wish though. I wish he could, he's a very interesting gentleman. I yeah. Hear. When I think of much, I, I probably, my earliest memories are like 94, something yeah. around the Nirvana yeah. area yeah. The, or yeah. era rather. Yeah. Uh, it's you, yeah. Strombo, uh, Ed the Sock, Sukian. What a time that was. Those are the, yeah. and then later on Brad and yeah. some of the guys who came on yeah. later, I, I was still watching at that point And then. Yeah. Brad will be out in Winnipeg. I'm sure. See, they only got, well, Sean only got 10 or 11 of us to use our audio. It's just audio. In, in the dock. Like overdubbed. It's over all footage. over f- okay. the footage, the archival footage. It's all archival footage and us explaining uh, what it was like. What was going through your head. was going through our heads, yeah. all that stuff. That's so, awesome. yeah, like George, Steve, Erica, Michael Williams, uh, uh, Sukian, uh, Nemegeni. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah Monica, Monica Diol. Okay. Uh, you know, not, Ed the Sock's not even involved. And oh, we remember Randy Sock. Of course. Well, he's been, well, yeah, I've he's interviewed been him. Yeah, yeah, he's right here. He's right here. So, and, and you know, Master T and Ed are in it, but they didn't uh, lend their voices to the um, narrative, mm. uh, unfortunately. But, uh, but Ed's got like, such a great voice. Well, yeah, he does. <laughs> and and T, T was much. Oh, you know, T was so chill. There's, so, there's some faces that they're just iconic, much music faces. You know? And there's a lot of people who kind of went in quick that went on to be celebrities and stuff like yeah, um, Amanda yeah. Amanda right? Walsh. There yeah, you go. You know, I remember Rachel her. Perry. I had such a crush yeah. on Rachel yeah, Perry. Oh, I could see God. that. I could see that. I yeah. was into punk and Together. all that. <laughs> oh, she was such a babe. Uh, didn't she marry the guy from Good Riddance or something? They eventually? didn't get married. Oh, they but they were dating. They, they were something. dating for okay. a very, very long time. No, uh, Rachel is married to. Oh my gosh, she's gonna kill me now. <laughs> An Italian, a very famous Italian crooner from back in the day. Mario Lanza. Remember Mario Lanza? I don't know. Rachel P- Perry. Brian may remember. My dad loves this guy. Rachel Perry, uh, Rachel Perry married uh, Mario Lanza's uh, grandson. Oh, grandson. Okay, yeah, I was going to yeah, say, yeah. <laughs> quite an age discrepancy. <laughs> oh. Rachel actually yeah, just... Thank re- God re- you threw that in at re- the end like that. Yeah. <laughs> grandson, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, Rachel reaches out. We keep in touch. Rachel's great. Uh, we're both on Instagram, and so we'll comment on each other's... It's just funny how life changes. We all grow up. We all yeah. have kids. We're all, we, all, we all have the other jobs now. Rachel is uh, the narrator for audiobooks now. 
Okay. She always had the best voice. She does have a great voice. As yeah. you know. Uh, visuals were amazing as well, but her voice <laughs> was spectacular. But uh, no, Rachel's the best. I had a great time with Rachel. I always loved doing a show with a co-host, whether it was Rachel, Amanda, Jennifer Hollett, Namagani. You're not in the pit by yourself. Exactly. You know? yeah. Exactly. You can always play off someone else. And we always played off each other so well, Rachel. And, um, and then, of course, Leah Miller towards the end when I was saying goodbye. But... Um, I always loved having a female co-host. Yeah. It was something it's a special nice balance. About it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. The more of the audience can feel represented. That's true. That's true. It's interesting, yeah. though, how you how you mentioned, uh, you, you tried to be humble when I said they couldn't have made the doc without you, but then you said what a big, important part of your life it was for 11 years. But you got to remember, like, what an important part you were of people's lives watching you, you know? Like, a lot of people, you were our babysitter or yeah. you were our, <laughs> our friend if we didn't have one, you know? It was a, a welcoming space. Thank you. Um, to just... You know, sit yeah. down after school and well, go. That's how I felt too, Oliver. When I was growing up watching much music, it was Steve, it was Christopher Ward, it was Erica. And I would get home from school every day at 3.30, 4, I would put much music on. So even before starting homework, before washing my hands, <laughs> what's for the newest dinner, video? What's the newest video, man? And that yeah. was—I'm very—I'm the same as as you as when you were a viewer. I was a, a religious follower, a viewer uh, of much, and and many that came after us were all the same. As Canadian kids, we didn't have many places to turn to with music. Yeah. You know, I, I, I even remember those half hour video shows, even before much music launched back in the late seventies, early eighties, I would watch those religiously, good rockin' tonight, Friday night videos, whatever they were called. Um, and th that, that was my life, man. I, 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 I ate and breathed and lived music. And, and I'm fortunate too, because I'm looking at Bob Marley all over the place here in, in your in your <laughs> studio, and that's one of the artists that my oldest brother Lorenzo was into. Marley, Bowie, The Who, The Beatles, The Stones. Good stuff. Like we had great stuff, man. Yeah. Like talk about I and I'm 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 just a kid at the point. Like he's what six eight years older than me uh, in that range. So I was listening to all the best stuff when I was like four or five years old. Like, can you imagine? Like, I'm sure you had that s uh, similar stories. I don't stories. know. You, my my parents weren't listening to Marley necessarily, but no. you guys did play Sinatra. music. My mom yeah. played on the yeah. piano a yeah. lot, and there you go. You guys had some. Yeah, my dad loved Aerosmith. That was a big oh, band. Great for him. band. Mm -hmm. Great band. Deep my purple, but '70s stuff. I mean, we were yeah. we're '70s guys, so that's our yeah. particular period. Yeah. Let's say. Yeah. I remember a lot of Leonard. Great Cohen. decade. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. Not, not super uplifting. <laughs> a kid, it's hard to get but, into. But, but thought-provoking. <laughs> thought -provoking. Yeah. But, but, but how thought-provoking a kid were you? Like, uh, how th oh, sorry, how, how much of the, the, um, the lyrics uh, yeah, were you into I, as a kid? Like, I love lyrics, but yeah, I think yeah. that um, to suck me into the lyrics, the music had to be there first. first. Whereas now, kid, you know, yeah, I could listen yeah. to Leonard Cohen and go, wow, sure. what a beautiful. But sure. when you're like... 13 and there's all these cool alternative bands you're not like one oh you don't want to listen to bob dylan and leonard cohen no way no i totally agree don't tell george i said that though oh bob dylan yeah, <laughs> yeah. bob dylan i've only gotten into more in recent years as well oh, to me older. Yeah, i always yeah. heard the stereotype of him the you know <laughs> <laughs> but he you watch good some bob of his dylan. stuff he's amazing he got less and less intelligible as he got older and older <laughs> oh, yeah. like most adults i guess slow down and yeah. Start yeah. slurring a bit and 
Uh, no, no, but it was all it was all good in the in the Campanelli household. Growing up, we we were surrounded by music like you. Whether our parents were driving us to soccer games, it was all, the radio was always on, or at home the music was always going. In the backyard barbecues, the music was always cranked, and we're fortunate. Oh yeah, those car rides. I had some of those too. My mom would put on. Uh, I guess it was a cassette of uh, the White Album by the Beatles, and oh. that was still to this oh. day one of my favorite albums. Oh man. I don't know if no one's ever heard that. Oh, go no. and listen to it because it's just groundbreaking. Oh man, they ha- you're saying that the listeners haven't heard of the White Album, well, by I, the Beatles. You never, you never know. know. No, some you people, never know. no, you never know. There's never some know. people who are like, uh, you know, if they've heard too much a band right. too many times talked about, that they're like, eh, I don't want to. That's listen. a band that will never get that reaction. I don't. Think. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully not. I don't know what the new kids are into though. I'm getting older, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's still it's welcome bears to repeating. my world. It bears repeating <laughs> that it's a great album. No doubt about it, man. I got, um, I got to meet one of the uh, Beatles. Oh, no way. I got to interview one, one of the Beatles, uh, uh, Ringo Starr. Uh, he tours, still tours with his friends, and he came to Casino Rama. I was still at ET Canada, and uh, yeah, the closest I got to the actual Beatles, well, Ringo Starr. Hey, he's uh, one of the Beatles. He's yeah. one of the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's uh, really still looks great he for looks his great, age, man. too. He's I don't know living. He's, he's, he's active. He's doing his thing. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't Lennon or McCartney, you know. <laughs> I was this close to meeting McCartney. I was at- I love Harrison my, the most. Har- if, oh, if I had man. to, George God Harrison's. Bless him too. Yeah. yeah, God bless him, Yeah, too. rest in peace to yeah, man, all those sure. guys. Well, Paul McCartney's still with us, too. Paul's still with us. Paul and Ringo's still going strong. Yeah. Still going strong. Honestly, they both seem real healthy. Yeah. Well, um, before we move on from the doc, I did yeah. want to know how many uh, cringe moments were there for you when you were oh, reliving that footage with the, the frosted tips. Oh, and- man. No, the only cringe <laughs> moment. I, I'm an idiot, man. I'll do anything embarrassing. What, what are you going to do? I'll do it all. And I did do it all. The producers had me do everything from getting my pierce. I think I remember nipple, that. <laughs> my eyebrow pairs, jumping out of planes. I did it all, man, and I wanted to. Um, and then I started having kids, and I, I got to slow down. I got responsibilities mm, now. Yeah. Um, but there was one cringe moment. Uh, funny that we're talking about the older artist. Neil Young came in, and Denise was doing the interview. I was doing the pregame. Uh, we called them pregame shows to the actual live at Muches or I and I's. Uh, Intermittent and interactive. I, I was getting the, yeah. the, the, the viewers pumped up to see Neil Young live. And then they also had me double duty that night. So I was outside taking the questions from the audience members. But I was so young. This was like one of my first big gigs, uh, big assignments, I guess you could say. You know, Neil Young, the, the grandfather of grunge is in the house. And I'm glad uh, Denise did the interview, Denise Donlin. Um, but I just, I, I don't know. I was on the streets. I, I wasn't really, I was very immature uh, um, so that, that that's a cringe moment for me in the doc. I don't. I I never asked Sean why he used it, but I just think he was trying to capture the chaos. Yeah. Um, and me as a young kid being a part of it, being thrown into it. So, yeah. But the rest of it, no. It, it's it's not cringe worthy. It's not cringe stuff to me at all. It's it's. I was thinking stuff more like the happened. fashion and, and oh, those the types stuff, of things. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, the, the frosted tips yeah. and the, the baggy pants. And you still have that pierced nipple? <laughs> Did you take it out? I got rid of that a while ago. Okay. <laughs> I got rid of all my piercings. Uh, what about tattoos? No. Any? Oh, I couldn't get rid of the tattoos. They're still no, no, on me. I just yeah. didn't know if you had any. Oh, I got them all done on much. All my tattoos. Oh, okay. Well, the one I got done on much, and the other one I got done on ET Canada. Okay. I only have two tattoos. Well, I didn't see every episode of either of those <laughs> no, shows, so I was unaware that you had tats. Yeah, I, they... I did it all for the camera. I did it all for the camera back in the day. What are they? I'm very curious now. 
Uh, I've got flaming dice on my leg. That's not bad. And and I've got my son Noah on my arm. Oh, okay, those are. But I've got to get my other sons on my arm. And my 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 wife keeps telling me like, you've got two other sons, you know. Yeah, it looks Uh, like favoritism now. No, I know. I keep saying (laughs) I got to get to the tattoo parlor or whatever you call them these days. Uh, You don't feel you don't do ink, do you? Uh, I have Here? like about six tattoos. But you don't, you're not. Oh, no, no, okay. no, no, no. I was going to say, here's my arm. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Doing it for the camera again. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel the same way though. As I've gotten older, especially had kids, I just yeah. don't really care to get a tattoo. I'm not against them. No. If someone no. was paying for it, yeah. it's, that's part of it. Honestly, they're expensive. And for sure they are. I just don't yeah. feel the drive in the same way that I did when I was trying to exactly. identify myself yeah. or whatever in my 20s. We and, did a lot in our 20s. We did a lot in our 20s. We lived a full life in our 20s, I think. I, I was having speak for kids you, in my yeah. 20s. Yeah. So, well, there yeah. There you go. Yeah. At 23, I was a father. So, yeah. that wow. changed things a lot for yeah. me. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> Didn't get tattoos after that. You I don't grew think up ever. real fast. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was probably for the best, though, to be honest, because I think I was right? kind of directionless at the time. And, and it was a good thing to really, uh, yeah, that speed ma- maturity that I needed. Now, your son's helping you out with the show. Your father's helping you out with the yeah. show. How cool is that? It's a it's family very affair. Very cool. Here. Yeah. It is very cool. As, as, Every time I look back on everything we've accomplished, because we yeah. just hit, uh, or I just saw something on Facebook the other day, it was four years since we recorded the, the first episode. Four years since the first. So yeah. just before the pandemic? It was August 2019 was the first one we recorded, okay. and it came out in October of Good that year. Good for you, Mike. Congratulations. Yeah. And 100 episodes, doing it for four years. Like, you're a pro at this game right now, this podcast. Right? I guess, yeah. You're calling I mean, it a podcast, this show? or uh, a, I, a YouTube show, yeah, YouTube podcast. Show, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a podcast, I yeah. suppose, video podcast. I like to, I call it a program sometimes, yeah, you know, it's yeah, just yeah. all the stuff I grew up watching. Yeah. It's even like Wayne's World, it was a huge influence on me, just not necessarily in, in the way we did everything, but that whole idea of having like a studio in your basement, yeah. it's always been so cool to me. And when <laughs> I finally was able to do there it. doing their thing. Yeah. Oh, party time, excellent, you, you know. Well, it's, speaking of Mike Myers, a um, long time ago, going back to much, maybe 96, 90, I've just started. Um, one of his friends was performing in the studio. It was a weekend. Oh gosh, I, why can't Susanna Hoffs? I don't know her. Bengals. Oh, the Bengals. Okay, Susanna Hoffs Bengals. Right. Uh, I can't verify that, but I know few, that band. Few huge girl groups that were big mm. at the time. I think Susanna Hoffs Bengals. Uh, does Brian check facts? Or is he just <laughs> no <laughs> music you know, fact checker? I can oh. barely handle the camera. Yeah. So, you know, like. So, so Mike Myers comes in because his friend is performing on Much Music. And, you know, Mike Myers and Christopher Ward, the character uh, Garth, sorry, Wayne, was started on Much Music. Really? Yeah. Christopher Ward was good friends with Mike Myers. Mike would come in to do a show with Christopher Ward, and the character Wayne was born on Much Music. I have no idea. And that, that comes up in the documentary, too. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's very crazy. So Mike huh. came in one day because uh, his friend was performing, and I was there, and I go, I recognize this guy, but he's bald. He's got no hair. And, and then I start talking to him for a bit, and, and he was – he was starting to shoot the Austin Powers. Oh, Doctor Evil. Yeah, the do- oh. yeah. So, I always assumed that was a bald cat. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I, I would have assumed that too. But maybe they shot all the Austin Powers scenes and then the Doctor Evil scenes. Or I don't know Austin how they Powers did it. could have been a wig, given the hair. Could, it was very sixties sure you know, because that was big hair, real right? coif. That, yeah. Quaff. Austin had so anyway. That, that you know, I never got to interview Mike. I never, we never got chummy at all. But um, it was just cool as a fan. Myself, as a fan of music, as a fan of film, as a fan of TV, in comes Mike Myers. Like, it, I just, I, there were so many pinch me moments for me because 
to this day, I'm still a fan. And, and it, you never got used to people like Mike Myers or, or Beyonce or, you know, anyone walking into the studio. I saw like they Tupac, all walked in. you know, yeah, like some man, people who are no yeah. longer with us. So those are the ones that really you, blew my mind. You came down a lot. Oh, no, no, no. I'm oh, just okay. saying it's stuff I've seen online, online researching yeah, yeah, you yeah. and, and did, other. Did you ever come down to the environment, 299? I've, I've walked West? by. Yeah. Like my grandparents um, both passed away now, but they lived in Toronto, so we would go there a couple times a year. Yeah. I never went in the building, but I definitely right. walked by walked and by. thought, oh, man, this is the Dude, real deal. I remember walking by as a fan too, man. I, I, I just, I made myself a promise, or not a promise, but I guess a wish, a dream. I'm going to be there one day because I, I, I loved it so much. I was so into it in the 80s, you know, when it first started. And um, and it really is a dream come true for me. By winning a contest and my whole career changing, you know, I, I was going to teach kids how to throw a basketball through a hoop and uh, kick a soccer ball. I was going to say, was, I still see you coaching soccer. I'm though. doing it, man. I'm still <laughs> doing it. I can always fall back on teaching. Coaching soccer, <laughs> honestly, I saw pictures of you coaching little guys, and you seem oh, like nice. the perfect kid's soccer coach. And I say <laughs> that because my youngest just started soccer. They're about to have their last meeting or whatever. Amazing. And their coach, he's not a horrible guy, yeah. but he doesn't seem to recognize that he's with six-year-olds. Like, you know, it was like... He's Will, Will uh, Ferrell in the, in the movie. Yeah, yeah, he plays a uh, soccer... Kicking and screaming. Kicking. Yeah, a little bit. He's kind of like the first day he said, all right, guys, what's number one rule? And they're like, no hands. He's like, yeah, that's right. What's number two rule? Have fun. And then later, like 10 minutes later, he's like, all right, guys, calm down. <laughs> you're being a little too silly. I'm like, you're sending some mixed messages. <laughs> you told them all to have fun, and now you're like, calm it down, calm it down. So, Well, I I feel like I, I'm we're getting in there now because now it's the nine-year-olds, right? Okay, yeah, Jack's that's a little nine, better. And now I'm, I'm, tr I'm not serious at all. I, I like to have fun with it because you don't want to discourage anyone from playing the beautiful game. But um, I am starting now to teach them more you know, skills and more fundamentals, a little more you know, discipline. passing, uh, dribbling with the ball, more discipline. You know, my one son, Harrison, still, he's a little younger. I got him on the team, but he's only seven. But uh, he jokes around all of the, that's why my wife is the assistant coach. And whenever I have to send Harrison over to her, she doesn't mind running over. He doesn't mind running over to mommy because uh, oh, okay. he gets, he gets distracted. He'll be picking the dandelions or whatever he's doing. And, and well, if he's seven and, on a nine-year-old team, that makes sense. It does. It does. It does. So. I'm not like your son's coach, but uh, maybe I'm halfway in between. Like, yeah, I don't want the I'm good not coach and the bad. name this guy or anything. <laughs> no, he don't seems name like the a guy. Don't name guy, the guy. And no. I'm pretty sure it's all volunteer. But there's a couple of times is, where the vein is. seems like it's <laughs> about to burst, you know. And I don't even blame him because sometimes the kids can get quite unruly. But it seems like he didn't know what he was signing up for. Yeah. Or something. See, I like doing things that my dad did to us. Mm. I, I'm sort of reliving my dad's parenthood. Uh, you know, I lost my mom back in 2015. Oh, I'm sorry to pancreatic cancer and it's been it's been tough it was really tough obviously at first and my dad is still the same guy you know he's lo he's lost his love of his life who he married when he was you know mid 20s and and now he's going to be you know 90 in a few years and and I just I love when my dad comes out and sees the dad I am because he sees I'm assuming he's seeing himself piece of himself in yeah. me and and all my older brothers when they do their thing but um yeah, uh, I don't know where I why I went off on that oh, tangent. I can though, totally sorry, relate, but, but no, with, yeah. uh, with all what you're saying right now is making me think of the same thing. Well, because your dad's here, right here with you. Well, yeah, and working with you. Having teenagers, though, I'm finding myself 
saying stuff to my kids that he used to say to me all the time. You know, it's like, who's, know. Le who's leaving all these lights, lights on? on? I know, exactly. <laughs> he used to always say that to me, and but, now it's me. But that's the truth, though. Like, we're here to, we're, we want to save our planet. We want to, you know, conserve energy. Yeah. And what our parents told us, we may have thought was idiotic back in the day, but it was so true. Everything yeah. they said, every single word that came out of their mouth. And you're right. Now we're like them, and our kids are like, and I was like, yeah, come on, like come on. To, be fair, to be fair, though, when my dad used to say that to me, I'm pretty sure it was financially motivated. Right. Yeah. That's Hydro is a little oh, yeah. more expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dad still keeps his house temperature at like 64. It's still freezing <laughs> in there. But it's all, even in the wintertime, God bless my dad. He's a good guy. Yeah. That's yeah, a trip getting older and switching uh, the roles that you have in life, you know? Yeah. Well, we we knew it was coming. It was It's inevitable. Yeah. All, even our kids, young ones, you know, as I see your young kids hanging out on the couch playing their video games, they're going to be in our seat one of these days, and it's it'll be totally different. Well, and then we get to say, see, yeah, now now you're going through what I went through. <laughs> it's all cyclical. Yeah, it really is because yeah, even when if my teenage son is giving me a hard time or or causing a problem or whatever, I just have to think back to how much worse I was for my parents. Yeah. Like my kids, you know. Oh, he could work on his communication. Oh, they're a little bit lazy. Maybe they're half-assing some jobs. But I was, like, smoking cigarettes and weed at, like, 13 and Dude, getting really? drunk before homeroom and stuff. Wow. Yeah, like, I was a, a wow. little troublemaker. I wasn't violent. I never got arrested. No, no, that, no. But, like, but you were going down. Yeah, I was down. very indulgent yeah, and doing yeah. stuff I probably shouldn't have been at that mm -hmm. age, you know? And now I look back and I'm like, Jesus, if my kids were doing that right now, I don't know how I would How you handle, handle it, yeah. No, good so, point. You guys were pretty accepting all in all. He didn't really... No, you never hung it, out to dry, you know? We lost a few hours sleep. You know? I mean, <laughs> Every good parent does. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm sort of glad my 18-year-old son, Noah, lives with his mom full-time. Because I know how I was as an 18-year-old. Mm. And, uh, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'd be able to handle him under my roof. A little rambunctious, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well, we went over most of the doc stuff I wanted to talk about. Yeah, There's man. definitely some much music stuff. Um, I wanted to know what your first big interview was. And also any uh, interviews that you were like insanely nervous about doing? Yeah, man. All, all great questions. And I got all bands that I know vividly. First interview, my first one was with a indie band out of Saskatoon called Bluebeard. I think you told me this last Yeah. Time. Oh, I think I did actually. Okay. So what's the first one that was like okay, a bigger? super well-known band where you were, you know, like, oh, wow. this Was one. either the Gin Blossoms or, or uh, okay. Great Big C? Okay. One yeah. of those two bands would have been my first big... You know, popular band uh, interview because yeah, as as younger VJs coming in at the time in the mid '90s, um, we weren't given the the Green Days the right away. Or no, no, yeah. no, no, no. That, that was left for the others. Yeah, no disrespect to, to Bluebeard. I'm, no, I'm not no, no to throw disrespect any shade at all. On them. Now Bluebeard didn't say a lot. That's why Denise came up to me at the very end and said that must have been the worst interview I've ever seen in my life. Mm. And it's that's fair, fair, because it was watching paint dry. That one. Um, yeah. If you're not given the right subject, like if the subject isn't giving, you know, yeah. it's a tough time. They give you a one-word answer. You and it's must like, Next, know. please. Exactly. Yeah, so that's, that's what Bluebeard feeling. was. Now, listen, a very talented band, and I, I don't know, they might still be at it, um, but it was a terrible interview just because this is television. You want to make it as entertaining as possible. Yeah. So I see where Denise was coming from. Um, but then, you know, and I tried. I really tried. I researched my tail off when it came to any band, indie band, popular, like any any genre that I wasn't that much into. Like, well, I was into all genres, but I was into some more than others, obviously. I'm, a, I'm an alt-rock alt kid, grunge kid. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, so then yeah, uh, Great Big C, Gin Blossoms would have been the big ones. The ones that I got nervous for were the ones that I really, 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 from day one knew who they were, and I was a big fan of them. Yeah. So I'm talking when I was a teenager, when I was, you know. So I would listen to No Doubt all the time oh, wow. on CFNY 102.1 The Edge. Uh, yeah, they rock. That was my station. That was the band. Um you know, and then and then even before getting onto much like the grunge era, the late late eighties, early nineties, I guess when it exploded, the Pearl Jams and uh, the Nirvanas and all that stuff. So when I get to interview those guys, like, no way, this is not happening. Next this level, is not huh? real. I'm dreaming this. I gotta be dreaming this. Like interviewing Pearl Jam, interviewing. Well, I never did Nirvana because obviously. Kurt, yeah. Sadly, I was still in university when, when Kurt, you know, um, but I got to see Nirvana and I got to, I got to crowd surf at a Nirvana show and I I caught a Dave Grohl drumstick. And when Dave came in with the Foo Fighters, I don't know if I was on Ariad at the time, but I was a huge fan. So I went up to him with his drumstick and he saw it, he recognized it. That's mine from that Buffalo show. And he signed it uh, out of the time capsule because I guess he wasn't using those drumsticks anymore. I guess he wasn't playing the drums anymore with Foo Fighters, obviously. You still have that stick? I do. Hell yeah. Oh, dude, I do. That's oh, awesome. Oh, man. And and every time I see, I, we used to see each other quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I, I grew to have a, a nice relationship with a lot of these guys and, you know, first name basis type thing. And when you walk into the room, there's Campanelli type stuff like that. So that, that really eased, you know, the nerves after a while. But I would say the, the most nervous were, were those bigger bands that I grew up adoring. And well, I well, no doubt is another one where like, I wouldn't have been able one. to talk to Gwen Stefani. <laughs> I would have just been like blushing the whole time. But she still looks great for oh, she's wow. Oh, she's what, still she, so 53 talented. Three or something, and she looks yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and are there any people you interviewed that you are actually on like a friendly basis with, like artists? Yeah, like I, I'll I'll reach out every once in a while to to uh, friends that I met along the way. Like, well, for example, one of the nicest guys. I don't know if he's been on your show yet, but. I met Michael Bublé and... Um, we have not had my, not, Michael not Bublé on no. the show. We I don't know. Bubbly is on the show sometimes. <laughs> I met Mike when um, when I was still at Much and he was doing a, a, a stage show called Forever Swing. And um, he came into 299 Queen Street West to talk about it, not on Much, but on the breakfast television show, which oh, was down okay. the hall. So I was in much preparing. I think I was leaving for a trip that morning and I was in my last minute research and pulling docs and pulling research papers on the band that I was about to interview. And, and Bublé was in the environment. We called it the environment, the studio uh, at 299. And he was he was doing a sound check. He was singing all these like, you know, Bobby Darren songs and all these swing songs. Golden and, voice. Uh, yeah. And we just hit it off that morning, and and we've been in touch ever since. That's great. And that's probably the one guy that, you know, I met when he was, I guess you could say, a nobody really. Like nobody knew Michael Bublé. Um, he was just in this Forever Swing stage show that was touring Toronto. I don't even know how far across Canada it went, but, but he's he just, just a real a- deal, man. He's just the, the genuine Canadian boy and uh, with Italian roots. I guess we have some similarities, (laughs) but uh, yeah. He seems like a super nice guy. Super nice guy. And then Russell Peters, who I actually did, he used to work at 299 Queen Street West as well as as an intern with me before I was a VJ. We would would work on lunch television. There was a lunch television show and breakfast television. So Russell and I would move 
the furniture in and out for these different sets. And, and Russell was already doing imp- improv and stand up for like a year, a couple of years before I even met him. And this was, that was before I was a VJ. So this is summer of 94, summer of 95. Brampton, I think, yeah, right? Brampton. Yeah. So, and I just saw him, I just saw him in Las Vegas a couple months ago and it's nice, you know, you go backstage and you hang out and you, you know, you meet their family members and, you know, he's, he's remarried as well. And you just catch up on old times and, and uh, you're so impressed by how far people have come. And, but those are just two people that I've kept in touch with for, since day one. Because, you know, when you meet someone at day one, you're a true, you're a true friend, yeah, I believe. Before they've taken yeah, off. Yeah, before they've taken they off. And these if... guys are exactly the same, you know. That's great. So. And while you're still interviewing people once in a while, I take it, because I saw you with uh, Zachary Levi from uh, oh, yeah, Fury yeah. of the Gods. So I'm doing a ton Shazam. of social media stuff these days, brand okay. partnerships. Um, so Warner Brothers asked me if I wanted to be part of this media day for Fury of the Gods, um, Shazam. And I said, yeah, let's do it. Like Zachary, I've interviewed so many times when I was at ET, oh, down true. at Comic-Con and wherever else along the way. Um, he seems like a real gem too. He's a cool guy. He's he, he's done a lot of work on his mental health in recent yeah. years and he's very yeah. open about it. I know his father passed away yeah. uh, not long ago. He's and, so down to earth. Yeah. He, he, he's your best friend. He seems full of love too. Yeah, you, yeah. Know? You, you could just meet him that day and, and he gives so much into whether it's an interview or just spending some time with you and he's always looking you in the eye and he's yep. always giving you, he's giving, very giving of his time. Reminds he's me of genuine. someone else I know <laughs> sitting across from well, right now. Oh, no, well, it's my it's pleasure, true, man. man. It's, it's my true. pleasure, man. It's my pleasure. Well, yeah. because I've had some really high profile names, at least I consider come on the show. And, uh, of course, no disrespect to any of them. They all came on out of their own free time, you yeah. know, and I yeah. appreciate everything. Uh, so I never expect to be able to stay in correspondence with these people, and I'm in no way offended if we don't. But it still means a hell of a lot to me when somebody does, like yourself. Like, we've Man, always kind of stayed in touch. And... You invited me to your wedding, and I'm sorry I couldn't come to your wedding. Yeah, uh, it's well, just that's been, okay. It's been a busy couple of months, but wow, that, that was so generous. You, you and Humplick are pretty much the two who... Really, I stayed in touch with yeah. uh, people that I watched growing up right, on TV, right, right, you know, right, right. that I've considered friends now. Oh, you know? dude, that's so nice, man. That's so sweet. It's uh, one of the best parts uh, of doing yeah. this is just making new friends and learning yeah. all about people's cool experiences. No and doubt about I'll it. Never get that's why it. I want to do it one day. I yeah. sort of miss it. Yeah, yeah. I miss it. I want to have a podcast. be over there. Where, well, maybe, maybe. You should definitely have a podcast. Might, something might be in the works. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask you and Brian, I'm going to ask you guys for lots of favors and tips along the way, but no. Oh, wow. Now I'm really curious. You and uh, maybe another ex-Much Music VJ. Is there room for me out there in this world? Of I don't know. I get There's, that. I get that feeling for sure. It seems like a really uh, convoluted space right now, where it's you know everyone has a podcast. But if you're doing it for that reason, then I don't think that's the real right no, reason to be no, doing it. No, you know, no. I, you know, I do miss doing the interviews and, and chatting with people. I had a great time doing that at both Much and ET. And when it all comes to an end, it's like. Well, no, I wasn't done yet. I want to continue this because I'm just like you. I love meeting new people. I love finding out their stories. And I'm not just talking like people that we all know, like anybody. Like I was I, I was very fortunate to, to travel um, a lot with World Vision and do a lot of work mm. with World Vision and meeting, you know, some of the most, the happiest people, let's just say, but the... The, also the poorest people. Disenfranchised, you know, yeah. They, they, they have got a lot of obstacles, lots of hardships, but still they're like, they're so happy to be alive and they greet you with a smile and and meeting those people along the way and getting their stories. I just, uh, 
I, I don't want to press that stop button yet yeah. on, on this. So It's interesting yeah. you say that because I still want to keep doing this show, but at yeah. the same time, I've thought about how can I branch out and maybe do some different things. And one idea I've, I've thought about pitching to a network um, my mom, when yeah. I was growing up, was always working at nursing homes, first as a nurse, but then eventually she was uh, doing like recreational therapy, fun games with the, nice. with the old folks. And um, so I, I spent a lot of time at retirement homes, uh, just stopping in to see mom yeah. or whatever. Yeah. She'd say, hey, can you help out with this? And I really... Dr. Got... Patch Adams, your mom, right? <laughs> sort of, yeah. I mean, she brought a lot of joy to those people for That's sure. Beautiful. Um, but it really gave me a perspective on First of all, how interesting older people are and what lives they've lived. And the secondly, how are. disregarded they are largely by people as if they're just yesterday's trash, yeah, you know? So anyways, I want to start a, an interview series where each episode would focus around a different topic, maybe something that's changed a lot over the years, yeah, and yeah. call it Retirement Homies. And <laughs> just interview, that, you know, maybe a short YouTube show or something. I absolutely I love that. And you got you to gotta bring the studio into where... The residence. Yes, are. yes, of you course. Gotta, it would be all on. I'll come down here. They location. can come down here too. But but on location stuff yeah. where they live, they can where you can tour see the, the place. stuff in their room, yeah, all the man. relics from their life. Oh, and but, but that that generation, they have so many interesting stories. I used to sit with my nono, um, and this is my grandfather in Italy. He never came over to Canada, and he he passed when he was ninety nine. I was mm. still at much. This is late nineties, uh, early two thousands. I used to sit with him when we used to travel and visit them in Italy, and he used to tell me stories about him fighting in the Second World War and, and being a kid during the First World War, like a little, in, a tiny little one. But he was speaking Italian to me, and I don't, I don't speak Italian, so my father would be there doing the translations. And I remember sitting for hours just talking to my nono about his stories because where else are you going to hear stories like that? Yeah, the, 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 Those accounts. guys are all dying out. Those guys and gals are all dying like. First hand account, hand account of being there, living that. Yeah, we can't we can't imagine we can't imagine what they lived and the closest what we've they got is through. a pandemic. A pandemic, <laughs> which I mean, hey, and people it, loved it. Thing. They were sitting inside doing puzzles, playing Lego, but fighting in one of the world wars, yeah. man, and hearing these stories. Then he would take us to these locations, and he. This is like back in the seventies now, when I was a small kid, and he'd pick up like these shells from old Mortars battles or, or yeah, yeah it was just it was just surreal but it's crazy even vietnam when you hear stuff too, about yeah, that it's yeah, mind-blowing yeah. people getting drafted when they're like i, I kept seeing something Teenagers. online where the, if a big part of vietnam was these zippos they would have and they would have inscriptions on them and it was something they would carry with them that sort yeah. of embodied what they thought and I, I know i'll get the quote wrong but it was something about you know too young to vote but old enough to die that kind of stuff or we we oh. we work for the un underqualified, and we die for the ungrateful. Like those oh, types of wow. things. Those were, sayings. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's a longer version of that. But Man, I what a war that wow. was! I, I never I've never talked in 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 length to to someone who who was part of that. But that nor was, have I. Was, I've just seen was, documentaries and yeah, the yeah. napalm and all so, the horrible. So real stuff. quick, well, I'll tell yeah. you I'll tell you my Vietnam story. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you were in Vietnam. No, I was <laughs> not. But this is the effect the Vietnam War had. So I was born in 55, right? So put me in late, teenager. late 60s or, you know, 1970-ish. Yeah. Um, they had the, the draft and they went by birthdays, right? Yeah. So they, they just would pick the birthday. And if that, wow. your birthday came out, you're, you're, going, you're going to war, going to right? And it was televised. Oh, and I remember watching it. Wow. And I was nervous if they would pull my birthday. 
Were you I mean, old I'm, enough I'm, at the time that they could have drafted you? Or no? Uh, no, probably not. I was probably a couple of years too young. But, but just that fear. But just the fear. And I mean, I'm a Canadian. You're, but that's what I'm <laughs> saying. So were they pulling Canadians? No, no, no. It was just my fear. You were still afraid. And I was you weren't, still afraid. Yeah. In you weren't going to get drafted. No, 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 I couldn't. Uh, no, but you're putting yourself in those people's in shoes. shoes. Feeling yeah. for, for my peers or <sighs> yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, or just yeah. that's how pervasive the fear was of war. That was a messy war, a terrible war. Those were televised, those things? That's insane. Yeah, yeah. So you couldn't try to say, oh, no, they didn't call mine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Wow. Oh, wow that's wow. craziness. No, we're, we're blessed, man. We, we never had to, you know, thank God, we never had to deal with anything like that. I mean, we had 9-11 was pretty was messed scary. up. I was actually scary. reading about the MMVAs and how that year it got canceled. It got canceled. And then canceled. they moved it to June after that. That's they had right. always been in September. That's in September. That's yeah. right. One thing, oh, that was, that was such a sad time. And I'm trying to put myself back in that I was just back from LA. We had done, we had taken a winter to see Madonna in concert. I took the red eye back. I'm at home. I sleep in because when you take the red eye back home, you're sleeping the Falling next apart, morning yeah. until noon. But I get up and I hear all this talk about the Twin Towers going down. And um, I tell you, I was, I was needed on air that afternoon, but I just couldn't do it. No I way. couldn't do it. George now, Strombo... He was able to do it, but I was too affected by uh, the, the scale the, of it all. The scale yeah. of what was going on, and 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 uh, I I didn't break down on air, but I was supposed to be in, and I just told my producers, I I can't be here doing this. I just need to be at home and uh, mourning for these people, whatever I was doing. But but George, man, he he George is strong. He stepped up when it comes to any topic. When it comes to you know. Yeah. When it comes to any anything, George can talk about it, and George stepped up, and he was the VJ that was doing that live shift that day, or or it could have been the day after. I forget now, but uh, yeah, hard news to talk about for Man, sure. Man, that's over twenty years ago now, too, and it's still. I was like, in uh, yeah. grade eleven, I think. We, I was just starting grade eleven, and we were at school when that happened, and I was one of the first people. I remember we were going from one class to another, and one of my friends came up to me, and she said. It's World War Three. Yeah, the yeah, Pentagon's yeah. under attack and all this stuff. Yeah, so the Pentagon too. Yeah. I went around to all these classes and said, "Turn on the TVs! Like this is something we're gonna want to see." Not CBC. Not to yeah, yeah. or bask whatever in the horror, in the horror, no, but more but just it's one of these events that like oh, that everyone's gonna remember where they were. Damn. We don't need to be learning algebra right now. We need to see. And this you saw nothing like thing. that. You saw nothing like that unless you were in the movie theater. Like, yeah, you didn't see. It was stuff too like real. That. And too and real. you know it's... the planes were bad enough, but then watching the towers fall and. And all of us went home. We're all like, we're skipping the rest of the day, and I don't think we're gonna get in trouble because we just need to process. We need all to process. we all the kids we probably went and got high or something, but yeah, yeah. we you know just chilled How out. We dealt and with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I just remember I couldn't do live television. That's for sure. It, that affected me so much. <sighs> yeah, let's hope we don't have to go through anything like that again. You know? Man, why did we bring it down yeah. all of a sudden? How, where do we get the? <laughs> when we start going that, back in time, well, you know, yeah. there's good and bad. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I know you got. Uh, you're on a bit of a time crunch here, so... Ah, I don't it's wanna... all good, man. No, listen. Okay, one question it's... I got to ask you... Yeah, um, ask me, ask ...in me. regards to interviewing people, whether it's much or E.T., something I was curious about, because we had a gentleman come on here, uh, an actor named Simon Phillips, who's been popping up everywhere since then. He, he's in FUBAR on Netflix with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. He's in season three of The Witcher, so shout out to Simon. Great to see you're kicking ass. Hey, Simon. Um, but he told us off-air... Right after we wrapped, because he had, he had been talking to us about uh, being in a film with Bruce Willis. I think the DVD is still back there. 
back there. Yeah, it's it's sort of in between on the. There he is, Bruce Willis. Oh, down here, I see it. Yeah, so down uh, here, yeah. he had done that film. He he was in a scene with him, and, great and guy. <laughs> so he told us all about that. But after we finished rapping, he told us that Bruce Willis was going through dementia, like before it had hit of course. the news at all. So okay. I think it was about a week that my dad and I knew about it, and then. Right oh, after it started wow. hit the papers, so I wanted to wow. ask you if there was any anything that you ever became privy to that was like world news, celebrity news that then later came into the public spotlight, but that you had to kind of sit on for a bit. I don't know. That's a very specific question. Oh, man, that's so. a, no, it's a great question, and I'm trying to think back uh, if there was uh, an instance. Um, I, I just don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember, man. It's I wasn't a, sure if I was going to get one from it's you getting on this. Yeah. It's getting more blurry up here as the days go by. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably remember it tonight when you're lying in bed. Yeah, probably. Oh, I knew they were going to get divorced. That was but, it. No. Um, okay, let me, hold on. Let me, well, I, I, <laughs> well, going back to like Brittany and Justin now, like I sort of, we sort of knew they were a couple and I kept trying to ask her about it when she came in for her live at much, but she kept denying it. Oh. And then it came out and it, but you could it, sense it. You had a feeling but you could sense it. Something. Yeah. Cause I'd interviewed those guys so many times. I didn't interviewed her so many times. It wasn't out in the public. And this is, listen, this is minor compared to everything else that you're probably thinking of, but that's something that, that maybe fits in yeah. to an answer for that question. But a little bit. Yeah. Cause you felt to, like, you had insider information, yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what else? No, I'm. No, that's to reasonable. Think, uh, that's a great answer. No, man, I wish I knew. No, I wish I knew something else. I just can't remember right now if there was anything. But you don't really forget stuff like that. Maybe, maybe they didn't tell us anything because it was live on much. Oh, it true. It was yeah. live, so they wouldn't really risk letting us know anything. I thought maybe some something you had a combo after the camera stopped yeah, rolling yeah. or something like that. But yeah, dude, anyways. Oh, man. Not a big you should have asked me this question a while ago, so I could have prepared better. <laughs> no, I like getting people on the. <laughs> With my fifty-three-year-old brain right now, it's like, oh man. And Speaking all those, of which, yeah, all those like, martinis later. How many humans are you sacrificing to look like this? Still, <laughs> come on, dude. You're drinking blood I, or something. I, I sold my soul to Moses Neimer so many years oh, ago, man. my man. No, no. I, no, you look thank spectacular. You, man. Thanks I for the compliment. That when I, I was uh, watching the docs and, and everything, I, I have my parents to thank. You know, they're you know, my, I lost my mom, but. My both my parents were so active and and mm. so they they found the fountain of youth as well. They were always doing things and living life and, and happy and happy. That's key. Um, yeah, stress they, is a so killer. We, we never stressed, man. I don't. I don't stress. I don't. I try not to stress. You ask my wife. My wife does all the stress stressing for us. And I literally almost let, wanted to write down. Can you remember a time you were super pissed? Because I can't picture you angry. Why? Why be super pissed? <laughs> it, it takes less muscles in our faces to 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 smile than it does to frown. True. So why be negative? Why be? Well, they even say that if you smile a lot, that it's actually tricks your brain into feeling happier. <laughs> maybe that's what's been going on all these years. Yeah, maybe. I don't need any drug. I just need the smile. But no, man. I. Uh, I forget what the where we were going with this, but I'm a very I'm the I'm the I'm I'm, I'm an optimist. You seem like I'm, a really wholesome dude too. I almost like optimist. at one point I was like, I should ask Rick to say fuck. <laughs> like, I can, have said that word a few times, but you won't. I know you won't do it on here though. I had. A I'm feeling, not, there's no need. There's no go. need. But we but, could blur but, it out. We could bleep it out. So just if I could I hear. Stub my toe on the corner of the, the bed, waking up in the morning. Oh, you're gonna hear it. No, no, no. I. It's all good. I, I, I knew I, that would I, I dropped break an the mystique of. I, on CBC radio once. Oh, really? During a show, and uh, no it way. was crazy. No one was expecting it. <laughs> what? I was talking about uh, Under the Bridge, the, the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers song. 
Yeah. Uh, I forget exactly how it came out, but it came out. Um, but I never swore on air live. Like there was a lot of opportunities to swear. I may have said, you know, ass, yeah. asshole, because Dennis Leary had a video out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not like. But it, but it, it, it could have happened to, to any of us. And and I'm sure some of the others it did happen. But uh, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I grew up being an altar boy. And, I'm not going to goad you into cussing. Catholic. No. I'm not cussing. Not yet, <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> um, oh, man, there's so much other stuff here. Uh, well, I wanted to know if you ever go back to the old much stomping grounds, because I didn't realize that it, there was like an archive in there still. Yeah, man. The, um, I went back a couple times when I was with E.T. to interview Nickelback and to interview Ashley Simpson. So... I had to go back to 299 Queen Street West to, to do these uh, interviews. So that's where the interview started. Then we went from there. But um, it's never the same place when you go back. Yeah. As it must it seem is like when a hollow shell of what it once was. It was. Yeah. It was. For me, anyway. That's just me. We did. I was just thinking about this capsule the other day. When we switched the studios or environments, when we had the renovations done, before they put up the wall, we put something in that wall. It was. We put items, and we called it our time capsule. Now, I don't know what happened since CTV took over. Maybe they just threw it in the trash. But I remember my item that I put in there. I can't remember the rest, what the rest of the VJs did. But the year I won the temp contest was 1994, and it was like winning the showcase showdown, if you're familiar with The Price is Right. Oh, of course. Bob Barker. And Drew Carey in more recently. Well, and then them too. <laughs> I, I always go back to, to the ones that started He's it. the OG. Like, yeah. you know... Um, Anyway, um, I, I had won a car that year. By winning this temp contest, you win a car, you win money, you win a place to stay in downtown Toronto. Wow. Uh, and that was a culture shock coming from Hamilton, you know. Uh, so I put, a, I put a windshield wiper of my Geo Tracker that I had won, <laughs> my 1994 Geo. Remember those cars? Those small Geo Trackers, car. little, yeah, yeah. Compact, little hatchback. Yeah. compact SUVs. Um, oh, SUVs. And it's okay. in there somewhere. It's, it's, it's in there somewhere in that wall. Uh, that time capsule that you're talking about. I don't know if you're talking about that or talking about something else, but every VJ at the time put something in there. Interesting. I don't know what they've done with this time capsule. Yeah. Metro. But when, but, but I was my, thinking of a Geo Metro for the record. That was oh, another Geo of their cars, much Metro, smaller. Yeah. Geo yeah. Tracker was like a Suzuki Sidekick. Oh, okay, I think that okay. was the, the equivalent. See, Brian, he knows. Your dad knows. He probably had one. Yeah. <laughs> they were the coolest little cars. Um but going back to 299 Queen Street West, it, it, it changed, you know, whether it was, it was, well, for me, it was becoming very corporate and it wasn't about the music videos anymore. And that's what I signed up for. Um, it was changing, it, different ownership as well. Um, wasn't yeah, the same place. playing tons of stuff that was just comedy just stuff. Just comedy stuff, reality TV Degrassi, stuff. I guess that's kind of cool. The people that were in charge weren't the same. They weren't the people that I lived with on a daily basis in my second home, which was the much environment, 299 Queen Street West. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to go back often. I, I didn't. You know, I'd, I'd go pick up my wife every now and then because she worked at the Marilyn Dennis show oh, okay. at CTV. So I'd, I'd go to pick her up from work, and it's like, <laughs> it's weird. Nostalgia, but, rabbit hole. But, yeah. It, it's a little heartbreaking, a I guess. I had to go back and yeah, see everything. For me, it was. And I think the movie, the doc that you'll see, Later this fall, we end on that in that era, you know, around 2015, 2016, when it all sort of came to an end and it wasn't the same. And, uh, uh, and it, you know, and, and the ironic thing too is 
Drake, The Weeknd, Sean Mendez, Bieber, all these huge Canadian acts were just getting started and, yeah. and becoming famous. Thriving. And if much was still around in the way much was, these guys could have ran the show, you know, Drake and, and Bieber and all that. Um, I never got to interview those guys at much. I interviewed those guys at ET Canada, but my role had changed and was a different world, yeah. you know? Um, huh. uh, still want to interview Abel, um, the weekend, uh, but oh yeah, yeah he changed day. his name right he's Abel not Tesfaye, the weekend anymore yeah. well his real name is Abel Tesfay and and oh, uh, his, oh that's yeah. his real name oh, yeah, okay yeah uh, that's right he's changed I heard he I doesn't got, go by the weekend anymore that's right, right? doesn't yeah. go by the weekend is it like a is it like a symbol like Prince used to do? I now? don't think so. No, I, don't know. I don't follow him that closely. No, I think he so. just uses his real name now. I believe, yeah, because yeah, now he's was. doing a lot of acting now as well, right? Oh, I did. The know Idol. That. He's got a new show out on. Uh, I don't know what where it's streaming, but he's produced and stars in a show called The Idol. He's doing good for himself. Yeah, he is. He did the Super Bowl show. I think oh, dude, he last did. year yeah. or the year yeah. before yeah. that. Year before that, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, there's yeah. one thing that I absolutely have no, to get into. No, let's keep talking, man. Don't worry yeah, about yeah. it. Let's, okay. let's, what's it? Oh, I'm, it's past my curfew now. Let's just keep talking. <laughs> We're in it anyway. It's better to ask I for forgiveness is what they say, right? Rather than... <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for it, man. I'm not going <laughs> to kick you out of here. That's for sure. Um, I want to talk about Woodstock 99 because... Yeah. I first of all, I just just watched Trainwreck. I'm a couple a couple years <laughs> yeah, late that, to the party, but okay. I I said, hey, Rick's coming. I'm gonna go watch it. I ended up watching the whole thing. I was up till two thirty because it was it? so enthralling. Yeah, it just was. sucks you in, and it was really surreal for me too because I remember watching this at my buddy Dan's place when pay-per-view? I was thirteen on pay per view. Yeah, pay per view. Yeah, yeah pay per view. Yeah, yeah. And um, oh, what a weekend! He had pay per view. I didn't, so I spent the whole weekend there. <laughs> And, you know, we saw a bit of the chaos that ensued towards the end, but it really was not represented in the way that you see in that documentary. Oh, this man. just massive scale oh, of man. damage and, very scary. and you know, sexual harassment and just so much other stuff. But I don't want to say in defense of those acts in any way, because obviously those are horrendous things that happened. But it really did paint a picture what kind of terrible conditions the mm. concert goers were being subjected to. Oh, yeah. Like dehydration. Oh. And and I mean, I didn't even know it was on like this decommissioned military base. Military base. And, yeah. and they're on this tarmac. It's all asphalt. It's boiling but hot. Back in the day, as a music fan, you're going to go anywhere. You're going to go to the ends of the earth to see Especially a band that you want to see. Especially if it's Woodstock and there's all Woodstock, these. Woodstock, yeah. the history of that that franchise and, 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 you know, Woodstock 69 and then again, 94 for the 25th anniversary. This was the 30th anniversary, yeah. 99. And and they had so many huge acts. So many huge acts. I had just, I was a VJ for a few years now and I missed out on the 94. Uh, I was, I was there in the building and I saw all the VJs going to it and I really wanted to be part of it, but to be part of the 30th, all those years later. Um, yeah. Like you said, all those acts. Man, like the hip James, James Brown. Brown yep. James Brown opened the weekend up, and um, the Chili Peppers and 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 Corn and, and Kid Rock and Sheryl Crow and like the list so goes many. on uh, and on. Fat Boy Slim was there. That's right. Another That's thing, I, I had no idea yeah. there was a rave hanger. Which was a rave hanger. Uh, everything yeah, we yeah. saw on pay per view was. I think on Bill the and stages. Bill Willich and I snuck into the rave hanger one night after hours. Well, when we were done our assignments. With our glow sticks. Not the <laughs> night that the, the truck came in with the people on top and all that. Like when Fatboy Slim was there, that's oh, in the dock. Yeah, yeah some people right. steal a, like a van. Right. We've got like nine people on top of the van, but some girl was getting raped in the back of the van who was like 14, See, 15 years old, apparently. The, yeah, the, the, those are the sad stories. And, and 
when when stuff like that's going on, you're you're you don't you don't know what's happening. Oh, of course, not. you don't know. We just you just find out after the fact, like a week later, a couple of weeks later, yeah. when when you're having the the post mortem or you, the debriefs. But when it was actually the the festival was going on, sure, it it got kind of messy and it got kind of scary, but and I'm sure a lot of people saw things. Uh, I I was. Honest to goodness, I was just so into the music and I was so into the bands that were there. And I was this kid from Hamilton being, you know, assigned this 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 gig of covering Woodstock 99. I, I was in heaven, man. I, I was in heaven the whole weekend. I wasn't staying in a house like some of the VJs did. I was staying in an RV right on the site. I drove one of the RVs down. Did you down. have your own toilet in that RV? I'm pretty sure <laughs> the toilet was- porta potties yeah, were No, nasty. the porta potties were nasty. I, I, I could attest. I inspected them. But I, I was just, I, I loved every minute of it, to tell you the truth. It was hot. It was messy. The water was eight bucks, whatever it was they were charging. Yeah, but And that's eight bucks in 99. 99, <laughs> I know. It's crazy. But I was just living in the moment and seeing these bands and- it was it was really Limp Biscuit and Fred Durst, which 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 who turned things into that really bad scene. Well, this is you kind know, of what I wanted to ask you is is there's probably multiple culprits, but I wanted to are. know what you thought was sort of the main downfall behind it all because you could point fingers at a lot of different causes that led to this. You know, I think you can for sure. You like can. The, the heat, the, the festival goers the, not yeah. knowing maybe. What bands like Limp Biscuit and Corn? What kind of energy they're going to bring? Nothing of, against those capable. bands. No, you're right. They're allowed to do their art form, well, but in the doc, one of the guys on the production team says we can't have this band go up at the end of the night. This is going to be, it's it's gonna gonna be, be World War Three. Yeah. And, and do you remember that scene in the in the in Trainwreck? Yeah. There was a young guy. I just said, watched it. Yeah. yeah. So so. The organizers didn't see that, I guess. They weren't... They didn't really vet the acts. They didn't really vet the acts. And and and, and teen angst and the, the bands that were all about that, you just I think knew they were just going for a bomb. eclectic lineup. They were. And they and did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Sheryl Crow probably would have been fine. Willie Nelson. There's a lot of acts I don't think would have got people riled up. Yeah, like James Brown, yeah. James, yeah. Well, James Brown might get people dancing, but sure, like, sure, not but moshing yeah, and, yeah. and really Limp Bizkit when you see that they start tearing down the the camera towers and all these planks of wood going around. He got up on one of these planks of wood, starts oh, did, rocking out, basically condoning this behavior to everyone out there. You it know? was crazy. We were right on our, our, our uh, we were in a, it was like a built, uh, what do you call them? Like, <laughs> she, uh, I, I can't find the word right now that I'm looking for, but. Um, it's like a tower type it's thing, It's like right? a tower, yeah. but it's it's not like a, it's, like it's not sturdy. It's, it's like a scaffolding that yeah. they set up. And and we're up there, and we're I'm, I was taking it all in because I'm a music fan. So I was up there watching Fred crowd surf on this platform plywood, whatever it was, and you saw the circles of you know mosh pits, and it was getting rowdy. People getting trampled. It was getting stuff. it was getting trampled. But I had been to so many of these shows where I almost broke my neck at, at a Nine Inch Nails show. It, I lived in the mosh pit. It comes with the territory. It comes with the territory if you're there, if you're that close. Mm. But I, I was watching it all, and you're right. It was getting more and more out of control. And and I think a band like that and the music that they make and... Break stuff. Well, <laughs> Maybe not a great message to send out. So right then and there, that's when I think you saw it getting out of control in terms of when a band was up on that stage and there's like 200,000 people and they're listening to your every word. It's, it's going to be messy. 
Well, and I noticed that there was a clear distinction. It was almost like um, the way you would have a king in ancient times and then all the peasants. And I think the people started to realize, hey, on the other side of this fence, they've got all these air-conditioned RVs for all the acts. And the MTV people in the documentary even talked about the, the moment that they realized that the audience was starting to turn on them yes, even because they yes. were more privileged. That's they were right. That's right. with a camera crew and whatever, you know, Thank chucking goodness stuff at they them. They didn't take our scaffolding down because they could have done that. I think Sukin and Ed were up there doing live live stuff at the time. I was just up there as a fan watching the bands. They didn't chuck stuff at you or anything? Things were getting chucked. Things were getting chucked. But again, I'm not the right one to ask because moments like that, I lived as a teenager going to see bands living in mosh pits, crowd surfing, doing... It's kind of exciting too. It was at the time. And and I'm I'm a a fan of music and I I loved it all. I, I loved it all. But sure, when it gets a little too much... Um, you got to draw the line somewhere, but is it too late? And I think it was too late for the organizers of Woodstock to 99 turn things around. to turn things around. Yeah. And it got, and by the end of the end of the whole festival, and the Chili Peppers were up there, like th- it's fi- fire was everywhere. Like that's like the another the thing that I it's don't like, think I remember. Here? When I was thirteen, I remember hearing, "Oh yeah, there were some fires," but. When you watch it, they were blowing up propane tanks and like twelve RVs are all toasted to the ground. Yeah. And a lot of people took off before all that stuff because it was yeah. getting rowdy. The morning of the third day, we I think, stuck right? o- stuck around till the very end. Oh, I love the Chili Peppers, and then yeah. and then I we left the next day, like the next afternoon. So we got to walk this whole military base, and it was uh, it was a battle zone. Yeah. And the next day, walking it like crap everywhere. It's Burnt like 200,000 people or a quarter of a million. How many there were were here just yesterday? And now it's like, uh, yeah. Ghost um, town. It's pretty interesting to see that doc, though. Yeah. Well, really, because the Chili Peppers, they did a uh, like a candlelit vigil because Columbine had just been a few months earlier. And I, I agree. The it was fire. not a good idea to hand out 200,000 candles to a bunch of drunk people on drugs. And uh, not only that, but right. more realistically, not even the drunk necessarily, but the people who have been enduring for three days of like being dirty, smelling like shit everywhere, yeah, you know, yeah. being dehydrated and, and then add in the drugs and alcohol on oh, top of that. It's, it's it's a boiling pot type situation. But like then that. the chili peppers had the nerve to see one of the fires and say, let's play fire. The song Anthony, fire, that's going to yeah, help. Anthony. <laughs> and then there's Anthony, like six <laughs> fires all of a sudden, like, come on. I know it's I a laughing matter. Peppers, it but. isn't. But when Anthony Kiedis gets into his own world of living things and mm. performing and, uh, he yeah. thought it was probably gonna be epic and he thought it was going to be a magical yeah. moment in time. But, uh, it was the complete opposite because lots of bad things like we found out about afterwards. Yeah. The Even the drinking water. And the, yeah. There's a woman in that documentary who talks about how, uh, I don't know, after the second or third day, she woke up with cold sores all inside her mouth and, and all these painful things. And she, apparently she had trench mouth is what she learned. And it was from drinking water that was all contaminated wow. with feces. That's what she tells you. Was she making out with 300 guys? Well, true, true. Yeah, there could be yeah, another. Uh, who knows? I who don't know. know. This is just something that I saw feces in the doc. Feces in the water. Oh, Yeah, they, they took put lab samples them. and there was tons of feces in almost all the available <laughs> drinking water water oh my god because people were and then you see people like uh jumping in the mud and you're like okay i don't know if that's all mud but you do you you know (laughs) oh man they were living it they were living woodstock yeah yeah if if anyone hasn't seen it go check it out it's on netflix and it's uh really eye-opening it's it's it sucks you right in and it's sad it's disturbing at times but it's also 
I don't know. It captivates you because it's just this momentous, huge historical thing that I don't think a lot of people, when that was actually happening, had this kind of a, a lens no, to view no. into what was really going on. You know? I lived for music festivals back in the day. I, I lived for them. I, I went to every one of them. I I've unfortunately never went to one over in London. They got some pretty good ones over there with Glastonbury and all these uh, yep. other ones, Reading. Um, but when Woodstock 99 came around, we used to have the Edge Fests at Molson Park and Barrie. Like, uh, it was like back in the 90s, every weekend there was, in the summertime anyway, there was a big music festival. And I just l loved every minute of them. And so Woodstock 99 was sort of like that for me. Like, I just wanted to be there, wanted to be part of every minute of it. I wanted to see every band. So... I learned a lot from Trainwreck, the doc. Yeah. I, I learned a lot. And and I found well, of out course, a lot. You had a job afterwards. to do while you were there. I you had a job to do. Surveying and I, everything. So, but, you know, it, obviously if anyone knew stuff like that was going on at the time, we would have stood up and, and they didn't taken more of They didn't have security to deal with They didn't it. have anyone to deal with anything that was going wrong. No. I remember Steve at the sock telling me a little while after that some people came up to him asking for help. Now, this is something that I found out the weeks after back in Toronto, but I didn't see it firsthand. I didn't hear about it firsthand when I was there. Obviously, we would have done all we could, Yeah. but um, I, I didn't. So I learned a lot about that stuff from the doc. I learned a lot about that afterwards, at, you know, after returning home. So. And I think it was partially the, a lot of the people that congregated to this thing there was a lot of douchey frat guy energy. Like sure even on the first day when things weren't out of hand, you have guys yelling at Cheryl Crow while she's trying to do an interview. Show us your tits. Like well, look at look at the acts that on. they invited to perform. Like I'm not saying anything about their their fan base. Yeah, but, yeah. But if I want a peaceful concert, I'm not going to invite the insane clown posse. Or I know they weren't at Woodstock, but you know what, you know I'm, what saying? I'm saying. There's certain bands <laughs> that bring a certain I know exactly what rowdiness you're yeah. with them. Exactly. Yeah. And you can't expect that that's going to mesh with the Willie but Nelson these, type. But these so. were the big acts of the time. Yeah. And, and, the, and the organizers, I see what they were doing. They were, they were going after all the biggest acts. Yeah. You no, want to appeal America. to everyone. They, they wanted to. So, so Kid Rock, Rage Against the Machine, Limp Bizkit, yeah. all these guys, man. Like, these are the artists that are going to get your blood boiling. And it we just went over the top. Yeah. So sad. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's one thing I've always liked about the punk culture is punks are very good about, like, They'll do mosh pits, they'll but they're very polite. You. They'll give you the finger, but... <laughs> well, I was going to say the opposite, bones. that okay. the punks I've met, they're, they're the ones that'll put out a hand and help you get back up so you can get back in the mosh. Get you back know? in there. They want to pummel you again. They yeah, don't want to yeah. hurt... <laughs> every punk I meet, too, most of them, I'm sure there's some skinheads and, and bad people, but most of the punks I've met are really progressive. Yeah, yeah. They're not racist. They're not homophobic. They're not, none of that. They're very open-minded people, you know? Listen, I've been in a lot of mosh pits back in the day. I don't remember anyone being mean about it or ill-spirited like like we're all there to have fun yeah you see your brother going down your sister going down of course you're going to help them up you don't yeah. want anything drastic to happen to anyone it just got carried away with woodstock and and like you said it was a combination of everything that led to what add happened. enough alcohol to anything and you're going to get yeah. these kind of yeah. situations yeah. yeah sad stuff yeah man well Let's move on from that. Another really kind of depressing topic, <laughs> but I really want people to watch that. So I had to bring it up. Yep. I want to watch it again now after talking about it. Oh yeah. It's phenomenal. You should check it out, dad. Uh, okay. Well, I'm got, I got a few fun random questions yeah, for you. Let's go. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if you have any questions. Sometimes my dad has a question, but I always give him the opportunity. Do you miss your mustache? 
<laughs> I was just thinking this is one interview I watched too. I only had that mustache for like that one month of that one year. No, it haunts and you. people but but I remember interviewing Nelly Furtado with it. I remember interviewing Alexander Ludwig and I had the because it's it's Movember. Oh, okay, you know, that's why. I was growing it for Movember. You know, my dad fought and, and battled prostate cancer and and uh but the question is, do I miss my mustache? Hell no! <laughs> but you got, you're sporting a good one, Brian. I like yours. My dad has yeah. had a mustache, mustache as long as... right there. There's probably two times in my life, I want to say in my youth, where my dad either accidentally shaved his mustache or thought he would try it. <laughs> and my mom How's was... that happen? Oh, well, I don't know. Well, you know, if you're shaving and you nick... Go too high here, you, you go yeah, too high there. And then you're like, oh, all right, I gotta take get, it off. Yeah. I've got a Hitler going on <laughs> yeah. now. I gotta get rid of it. Um, but my mom would, would be like... Like basically, like for a week, like don't look at me. Don't it's look, too weird. It's weird not seeing yeah. with a mustache. Your, your small little lips. It's just yeah. weird. <laughs> your dad's like my dad. He's always had a mustache. Yeah. He's so a tall for ha- however long I've known him, like I think when my older brother was born, he didn't have the mustache, but he had the long sideburns. But he's always had a mustache. It's weird. And I don't miss mine. I did that for a reason, and and I knew I didn't look good with it. It was it wasn't even a good mustache. It didn't come in full. I'm Italian. I can't grow f- facial hair, but I tried. I tried for Movember, but that's the thing. I, I, I was. I remember vividly boarding a plane with that mustache, going to wherever Victoria's Secret Fashion Show was that year with my producer, and he's saying, you're definitely not sporting that mustache at the Victoria's Secret Fashion <laughs> Show because you're going to look like a big pervert. A or creeper, whatever. Yeah. What cre- but it's just a mustache. So I said, no, listen, it's not the end of November yet, but I will shave it yeah. for you and for all the Victoria's Secret models. So they don't think you're some sort of... Now, Nicole Kidman, I had to interview with the mustache on, <laughs> and I had interviewed her a few times prior, and I think she was looking at me strange. She was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Is this the You're same the, guy? <laughs> the mustache now? No, get, shave, shave that off. But uh, I don't miss it. I, I probably will do Movember again to support the cause, but um, you won't see it on my You'll face. You'll just be off social media it, that just month. Just in November. <laughs> I'll be out. No, yeah. That must have been a tough gig, that Victoria's Secret thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a rough job. See, that's the real question. <laughs> that's the real... I miss doing that show. It was fun because it wasn't just the models, but you had acts performing at big the show party. it's like i was at quite a few of them where some big acts like uh with the weekend played at one that i was at and uh, uh maroon five played okay. at one uh, that i was at and uh, uh gosh so many amazing acts and to witness them in that environment you know them performing oh usher in miami they're performing and all these models are walking by them it's just it was so cool That's to be part trip, of that yeah. yeah it was i missed those gigs <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, oh, if you could have free meals from one fast food chain for the rest of your life, which would it be and why? <laughs> oh, man. I do like those Popeye's chicken sandwiches. There you go. Those are good, man. Whatever comes to your mind first, that's good. But Whopper. Be. Whopper would be top three, too. Burger Kings A are Burger hard to King find Whopper. These days. Yeah, they are. We got one near our place in Burlington. Okay. And it's our go to. I'm getting my son into the Whopper now, too. He, he's loving that. It's something about that Whopper, man. And I. I find when when I eat a Whopper, I've got to put on that crown that they hand out because you feel <laughs> you like royalty, man. You are the king of burgers. That Whopper. So good. the Whopper beats a Big Mac for you. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big Mac. You know what? To tell you the truth, it, the older you get, and you might start finding this, you you don't feel as good. After having a meal like that, as you did when you were a teenager, <laughs> your dad's laughing. I don't eat a lot of fast food. No, uh, no. I no. eat fish sometimes, but I really haven't had meat in like 10 years. Uh, yeah, there's not a lot at fast food joints that I can eat no. as, as yeah. a 
pseudo vegetarian or whatever. Okay, right. You know, right, right. But that was a good thing for me because yeah. I did used to eat way too much of that in my early twenties. Oh, sure, we like did, when yeah. I when I started exercising and stopped eating meat, I lost like thirty pounds. You know, sure. I used to be a lot heftier. Well, not a lot, but you know, I was I, I was stop, a little more rotund. I think about stop eating, it's, uh, quitting meat. Then, yeah. Well, it forces you to make some healthier yeah, options a lot it of does, the time. You know, sure. I'm not shaming meat by any means. No, you no, no. Eat no, a steak no. in front of me, I could give a shit. You know, but I did the uh, one of those diets for a while during the pandemic, and I was riding my bike everywhere. And, but you can get right, really trim, yeah. like slim, and you lose everything that you want to lose. Hard to build muscle without meat. It is. I, it found. is. Yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah. I got to eat a lot of beans. <laughs> And then you get other problems from that. So, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> then you got a gastrointestinal thing to deal with. Um, so true. What's the last time that you laughed so hard that you cried? Maybe it was the much doc. I don't know. No, no. Where I just left the other day. Um, I, I'm sure I was just watching a, a video on Instagram, like a reel that I had to send to my wife. I was just dying of laughter, just crying. I don't know. You it don't was, recall what it was. I don't though, right? know. I'm going to have to ask her because she's she's looking at me like, really? That's funny. <laughs> you know, you send each, you send different your wife different, different, different strokes. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, I'm sure it was a meme or it was like some sort of reel or TikTok video that just had me in stitches. Dang, now I wish I knew what it was. I wish I knew too. I'm gonna, send it to me later. Yeah. I will, I will, I will. But you might not laugh about it. You might not think it's funny. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm pretty yeah. open-minded when yeah. it comes to comedy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't get to see it. Yeah. Come here. Daddy. Come here. Shoots Um, this one, I don't know how you're going to answer this. Where is your secret hideout slash place that you like to escape to when you need a little, you know, privacy or just I, peace and quiet or on my bike? I okay. Just go, I just go mobile yeah. escape. Yeah. yeah. I'm like Forrest Gump. I just go, I just keep going. Um, during the pandemic, I really got into bike riding. Um, I would go from Burlington where we lived out to see my son Noah in Pickering um, what's that in kilometers? It's, it's, it's it was, uh, it's past Toronto. Um, oh, it's, it's okay. east. Uh, it's on the way here actually. Oh, okay. Um, but I just, I just keep going. I would just go and I was missing my son. It was the pandemic. You know, everyone was locked in. Uh, so I would just ride out to see him. Easy to social distance when you're biking. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is. And I, I really, I would just put on my music and just go, man. Like I remember listening to the whole Bruce Springsteen library of music. <laughs> and I wasn't there yet. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, it was, no, I'm exaggerating, as you know. But, um, or I would listen to Billy Joel. Or I was just listening to, I would listen to some artist that is the veteran in, in the world of, of music. And I would just put them on and go. And uh, yeah, so that was my escape. It's not a room. It's not I a, can totally relate to that. I've yeah. been having, a, once a summer at least, I go... Uh, on a night where, you know, Kelly's here with the kids and I can escape, I go out at like one, two in the morning when there's nobody there. I can see you doing All that. these yeah. smooth roads, go out on a longboard and listen to tons of bands. I mean, I got a few go-to bands. I, it's mainly Cake, 
Yeah. Uh, the Descendants Great, and uh, The Violent Femmes. Great, man. Listen Great. to those three and just cruise oh, on these so good, freshly man. paved roads. And it's so zen, so, so centering, you know? Yeah. Not as much traffic, I guess, at that time Oh, no, either. not at all. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just doing residential streets at two in the morning. There's nothing. It's great. You feel like you're in a video game or something. There's nobody around. Yeah, it's, it's Amazing. beautiful. Yeah. You can really think and uh, process the day or process what's to come yeah or just or just clear your mind just, and not yeah, even think about yeah. anything and just feel the music just, and, you, yeah, and feel, feel your it, body feel floating oh, down yeah, the street man, you know yeah. okay i've got to interrupt myself here just for a second uh because i could not go on without mentioning that a few days after this interview was recorded and i was speaking so sweetly about my nighttime skateboard sessions i actually bailed pretty hard and fractured my radius. So uh, that's also why these last two episodes have taken a little longer to get up. But just a little PSA, you know, wear your helmet because it could have been a lot worse for me. And uh, having a broken arm last month has really sucked. Back to the podcast. Yeah. Well, Cake is one of those bands. Like you just mentioned great. Cake. Cake is one of my fa- all-time So things. underrated, I they feel are. Like. They are. I don't know what they're doing these days. I hope they're still touring because I'd still love to I'm see sure them. But, they're out there. but every time John McRae and, and Cake came in, I made sure, I told the producers, can I interview these guys? I love these guys so much. They're so different. They're so unique. Yeah. You, you know, there's no other band out there that's even comes close no. to what they're doing. Uh, His I vocals always, are very unique in the way unique. that he's sing-talking sort oh, of. Man. and they're always funky with their bass lines. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's like so he good. could be your best friend, too, I feel like. Yeah. I, I don't know him that well. I interviewed him a few times, but I could you could sit and have a beer with him and just just chat about whatever, it seems. So I, I'm going to Google that now. I hope they're still touring. I know Incubus is still touring. I just saw some stuff with Brandon and, and the guys in Incubus. I don't know if that was a band that you ever got I into. know them yeah, yeah, pretty well. I don't know how hard I got into them, but yeah. I whenever they had a single on much, yeah. I was aware yeah. of it for sure. Yeah, those are two bands that we played the crap out of. Incubus was really uh, like inventive and experimental yeah, in their were. sound. That's they one thing were. I always yeah. respected about yeah. them is nothing sounded like them, much no. in the same way that That's Cake right. is, you know, very. Those were the bands I was into. Bands that are doing different things. I'm well, sure that's why the I got into way. Sublime. Yes, yeah. Because it was like, hey, here's a band that in the same song, they're going to jump from reggae to punk to hip hop yeah. and then back to reggae and it's all over the place. That's you know? a band that I got into too before much. And, and I was, all, I would always play, they had the one or two videos, but. That's a band that could have taken off and, and gone worldwide if it wasn't for the. They were about to. Too. Yeah, they were about when to. They, yeah. uh, when he passed away in May of 20, or May 25th of uh, 96, yeah. their yeah. album, their self titled one that went huge, came out, I think, two, three months after that. They decided to go put it forth and uh, it blew up massively. With they, what I got. And all what that, I got, yeah. Santeria, Santeria, doing time. Oh, exactly. And at, one of the reasons. What an album. Oh, it's amazing from beginning I, to I end. I wasn't yeah. even that much yet. You said 94? He, 90, pa- he passed in 96. 96. Yeah. Probably, okay, 96. Yeah, I wasn't on air yet. But they were they were well, no, very was, locally known. I, like yeah, in the yeah. States, I think oh, yeah. they had it in Cali. Southern California. Huge, oh, but for sure. The rest for of the sure. world didn't really find out about them until he passed away. And that album, which became the self-titled album with the, his tattoo of his back, back. Yeah. Uh, it was originally supposed to be called Killing It. And you could understand why they had to change the, yeah, the label. Or the well, label, the label. Of course. Or yeah, it's, uh, it always makes me sad. I think, honestly, that's one of the reasons I got so sucked into them, finding out about them a few years after he had passed, because it was just like, it, the music I loved, but the tragedy of everything that happened was so, yeah. just sucked me right and, in. And you know? there were so many bands, Oliver, along the way at Much Music, where you would interview this band and this good bunch of people, and then just tragically, someone in the band... It was always no heroin. It was always a drug. In the 90s, it, was it was always, always heroin. It was always something like I interviewed so many bands that, uh, you know, 
a lot of they're they're not with us anymore. And it's just so, you know, a lot of people deal with there's a lot of people dealing with many things out there. But when you're a singer in a band, I I, I think it's like multiplied by yeah. a thousand. Well, because you yeah. hear about a lot of the people that inspired you experimenting with drugs and yeah. it opening their consciousness yeah, and expanding yeah. their artistic, you know, capabilities, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I should say, uh, in regards to Sublime, if you're interested, you should check out his son. He's uh, yeah. 27, 28 now, and he's a musician Right as well. on, right well, on. J- Jacob's Castle is his current project, but uh, they're really, really good. His, so Bradley's son, is, his name's Jacob? Jacob, yeah. yeah Jacob's yeah. Castle, Okay. Yeah, Jacob man. Noel, yeah, he's yeah. done some solo stuff too, but yeah, really, yeah, you can hear his dad's voice in him too. He's got his own sound, but sure. you'll catch a certain growl or a, yeah, or a yeah. soft little, you know, he has the same kind of range that his dad All has. right, man, I got to check that out. Yes, sir. Um, okay, I think I'm almost done here. Oh, I got one funny one. What's the biggest exaggeration that you've ever u- said to impress a crush? Or flat out lie. <laughs> oh, man. I don't lie. Uh, I didn't think so. No, I don't. I don't lie. And it's, <laughs> Embellish it's the truth? funny because I can't tell you about something that I just got out of. Um, it's top secret right now, uh, but I've I, I wrote an NDA and it's all confidential. But I, I don't lie. Um, I grew up, you know, my parents taught me right from wrong. It was always, you know, honesty is the best policy. Straight shooter. Straight shooter, man. That's the way. And I respect people that are that, are that way to me. Um, it saves everyone time. It saves Even everyone time. Even if you've time, got bullshit, man. you need to air out. <laughs> That's Just right. do it. Just, why do we have to lie? Ugh. Why is that necessary? Land, but like, I get it. Keeping secrets I, I, gives me so much anxiety. Like, I, I feel like, oh, I just got to get it out. I want to get know? it out. But I'm sure I've exaggerated. Sure, <laughs> I've exaggerated. Uh... Again, um, yeah, maybe I should have emailed some of these to you before. I'm usually sleeping by now. I'm up so early in the morning, and my mind is not working yeah, you right now. Drive tomorrow too. But Shit, if, I feel there, bad. if there's a part two to this conversation, I'm going to come back with two banger answers to those two <laughs> questions that I couldn't think of. Or maybe I'll shoot, I'll shoot you a few ahead of time. Shoot so me can, a few ahead of time. Yeah. Shoot me, I like that. Shoot me. A few. The older I get, I'm slowing right down. Uh, but no, I'm sure there's been a one or two exaggerations. Okay. Sure. I guess we would have to ask them, right? Yeah, you would have. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been a blast. There's one last question I have to ask you because I've asked everyone in season four so far, but what is the worst job you've ever had? I've done everything, man. I, I was the one you loathe that you just, I, I helped my parents put myself through university one year. Um, I was delivering telephone books. For, for, remember telephone that books? That sounds so archaic, yeah. Eight cents per book I got. We used to load up the back of the Volari, the this station wagon, and I used to l- deliver telephone books door to door when the, t- the telephone books came out. It was yeah. a great gig for a kid that's looking for money, build some uh, exercise, muscle build things. some muscle, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? So I think that was probably one of the worst jobs I ever had. But it built character as long as as well as muscle. And I removed asbestos for a while. Ooh, that's I removed as best as to put myself through university as well. Of course, I, I always got help from my parents financially, but I wanted to help pitch in as well and and raise some money and, and pay for my own tuition as well or help out with it. So um, did you have proper like safety gear? Oh, I did. I oh, did. Okay. My, my I said my dad and I always <laughs> joke. My dad put it in in the fifties and sixties, um, and then I t- I removed it in the uh, early nineties. So he put it in with no safety precautions, I'm assuming. I'm sure he just had, like, had a COVID mask or something. Oh, jeez. Putting it in. When, when I took it out, we were in hazmat suits. We would go into the site. We would take a shower. 
we would come out of the site taking a shower. We would make sure that there were no, not even a fiber on our bodies. You can penetrate through the yeah. skin. It's yeah. uh, meso mesothelioma, I think, is the condition. Yeah, the lung. It's a lung. That's fibers. But do you have to inhale lungs. it, or can you get it through? Like if if you rubbed your arm, would no, it get I'm pretty sure you have to inhale it. Okay. Uh, well, that's, that's, what, know, they t- that's what they told me back in the day. Anyway. Yeah, I'd Maybe. say inhalation's the yeah. the yeah. main root of yeah. concern okay. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So mm. I did that. That was pretty bad. Yeah, that's bad. But it was good paying. <laughs> I mean, good if you paying. were properly protected, I suppose. It's, right. I would be a little nervous. If you're taking the necessary precautions, and yeah, yeah. And, and we'd have to water it down. We'd have to water the asbestos down before even touching it. Oh, they, they took all the necessary precautions. Okay, I have an asbestos story. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <clears throat> so I was working summers to put myself through school too, right? There you go. Working at a place that made prefabricated houses. And my, my dad was a superintendent of the plant. And we used to have to put on a giant rip saw on the floor. We would rip boards that were called asbestos boards. And we would rip them, and it would no. just go shoot oh. all up in the air, and no, no one had any masks on at all. Right? Wow! And we're just doing this heavy as shit too. That oh, yeah. those boards. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, that, I didn't do a lot of it. I did it a couple of times. Yeah. But then, as years, a teenager. Yeah, 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 yeah. But years later, you read about it, and you go, mm-hmm. oh, "Okay, that wasn't a good day to be at work." You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, That's right. But you uh, never had any real life. no issues from that. No, Knock it, on wood. It's, yeah. it's like everyone who grew up in the '60s, yeah. '70s, '80s, whatever time period you're in. Yeah. You know, another thing we used to have to do was, you know, we put we'd make the frames for windows and doors, right? Mm. It'd be this California redwood and stuff. And uh, we would have to take it to the back. As somebody, somebody got the job where they got to put on the big gloves over the elbows and go to the dip tanks. Gee. And all it was was wood, liquid wood preserver, a gigantic tank of it. And you'd have to dunk that stuff in and hold Sounds it under poisonous. for so long. Ugh. Well, yeah. And sooner or later, <laughs> it's going to come over the top and it goes into your glove. Into your glove and down your I sprayed, uh, oh, what the hell was it? Uh, uh, benzene. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. I, I had a little gun that I would use to oh, squirt benzene, or not, uh, I would spray glue through through this wand into the ridges where I was sticking stuff. And at the end of the day, the last thing you had to do is you had to clean the glue gun out, right? Mm. And how'd you do that? Well, you got stuck the end of it down in benzene, and you ran benzene through it, and it would cut through. So what were you squirting into? Like a f- freaking bucket with a <laughs> hole carved out of one corner, and... You know, I was doing it one day, and oh, at the very man. end, when you'd finish with the glue, the benzene would come out under high pressure, oh, right? Because gosh. now the system Spray was clear. You. You'd hear it, yeah. And, well, you'd stop it, and, and, and that'd be that. But one day, just at the wrong moment, I'm doing it because the first part, the glue's barely moving out of it, right? And someone calls my name. Mm. I look to the side to address them, and just at then, the glue finished, and oh. the benzene started. <sighs> And my hand had moved slightly, so it wasn't oh. going in the hole. It was hitting right in your hand. And I went right in my eyes. It was, oh. I, I turned back to what I was doing, oh, and this Lord. stuff came right oh, up into yeah. my eyes, benzene. And I was off to the eye station to get my eyeballs sure, done. Sure, Felt oh like I had God. sandpaper eyes for like oh. a week. But, you know, cleared up. I yeah. had a similar mm. thing. Ouch, uh, ouch. I was at a, I had played a lot of nerdy board games, clearly. And <laughs> years ago, I went to one, and, and I would 
do my own custom figure sometimes and something I brought I was using and it broke. So I had my super glue with me and I had a, a similar thing where it was kind of jammed. I squeezed, squeezed and super glue shot right into my eye. Right into the eye. Oh, right in. And I thought I was going to be blind. Oh, I rushed down to the bathroom and I just soaked it out. And surprisingly, it was okay. Maybe it wasn't like the strongest level super glue or something, or I got to it quick enough. But well, I pulled, was pulled your eyelid down a few times and I just kind of yeah. came in and just like wow. yeah, went right under the sink. And yeah, that was terrifying. And when you're talking about stuff getting in your gloves, that reminds me of my job, which thankfully I don't work in that area of the department anymore, but I work in sterilization at the hospital and the area that I no longer work in is the decontamination area. So you're wearing like Dexter kill gear and you got your, you got your hands in water that's full of blood, poop, like whatever's coming down from the surgical rooms. And then once in a while you feel a little bit, get in your glove and you're like, <laughs> damn it, oh, yeah, this yeah. is blood and poo probably. And you Man. go switch your stuff, wash your hands, but never, you don't feel clean still. You guys are just like, you're putting <laughs> my jobs to shame. Like I have n nothing to worry about with my yeah, jobs. Supermodels. Yeah, yeah. Th <laughs> those two gigs that you guys just told me about, those are. Well, I mean, it's worst. important work and, and I, I still it, love my yeah, job, but sure, I just don't sure. like working in the, yeah. the dirty That's, section, yeah, you know, yeah. it gave me too much anxiety. Um, damn. That's it, though, man. We, uh, yeah, I, I got to get you out of here. I feel so bad you stayed this late. Oh, man, it's okay. Um, I'm sure they're going to keep the door open for me. Unlocked. Yeah, I, got, I got a call. I didn't realize it was so late either. But when you're having a good conversation, right? I told you this would happen out yeah. front, right? <laughs> yeah, you you're did. You're like, oh, take off by yeah, nine. I'm did. like, eh, no, so many have said it before. No, man. Listen, I've been wanting to come and talk to you in person. Yes, this that's the only way to talk, in person. I I love doing it. I missed it. And I said, you know, I'm going to come in person. We're gonna yeah, talk, well, you were lovely on Zoom, but it's a different Yeah, it's a different connection, vibe, man. for sure. It's a different vibe. Well, high five at the end. High five. Boom. Thank you all. That's everybody. it. See you yeah. later, everybody. Hey, everybody. Thanks for uh, watching. <laughs>